You're listening to a Chicago Sports Nation production, enhancing your Chicago sports fan experience. Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning back into Shy Sox Weekly. Today is episode 13, presented to you by White Sox Nation and Wegren Enterprises. I am John Suarez, joined up today along with my co-host, Tony Marchese. Tony, how you doing today, man? John, I'm doing quite well. It was a good week in White Sox baseball, except for today. But uh, It always happens on days we record, man. You know this. It's becoming a theme around here. Um, did you catch any of that game today, John? Oh. I caught um, about four minutes of that game because, like I said, these day game, weekday games are just going to be the death of us. But I was following along on my phone and whatnot, and I have all the updates sent to my phone. So I did see that Hector Santiago kind of blew it for us. And I saw that Tim Anderson got ejected, which I have like obviously looked into at this point, and we will definitely get deep into that. Yep. I actually got to watch the game in its entirety. Kind of a bonehead move a little bit there by Tim Anderson. Yeah, so we got a couple of other things that we're going to want to get into today. The Sox had a nice little three-game winning streak, which was abruptly ended today. Um, James Shields continues to just absolutely wreck, (laughs) and I love it. And I hope that we see him go soon and maybe get a little something for him. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, Lucas Giolito had himself a pretty solid start today, so... Maybe talk a little bit about that. Um, but other than that, we already have our guest of the evening with us already. We have Ozzy Stern from Redline Radio on, I believe, pretty much of Barstool Sports now, correct? Yeah, that's right. Officially a Barstool Sports employee. So uh, thanks for having me. How are you guys doing? Good, Ozzy. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Yeah, and congratulations on the uh, the new employment you got going for yourself there. I appreciate it. It's been uh it's been a couple months actually, but uh I was just out there to get a new show set up, so yeah, I'm loving it. That's awesome. We're excited for you, man. So for a couple of our listeners, you might not know who Ozzy is. Ozzy is like the uh he's kinda like they call him the stat guy. We talked about him a little bit on the White Sox Dave episode that we had previously. But Ozzy, you wanna kinda tell us a little bit about yourself, man? Sure. So uh I forget how I caught wind of how Dave and Carl were starting red line but and i wish it was a more elaborate story of how i got involved but it really wasn't i caught wind that they were starting a podcast shot dave an email saying that uh all i could do as far as social media and graphics and he was like uh yeah you're hired <laughs> i don't know if that's more of a, a testament to, to me or him that he hired me after one email but uh that's kind of <laughs> how i got involved there originally uh was just doing their social media and the graphics like i said but kind of just forced myself into more situations and got more to do and now they uh they were dumb enough to give me a mic so (laughs) i guess i'm kind of part of the show now well we're glad to have you on a mic here as well today (laughs) yeah so ozzy um does get a microphone on redline but he does kind of share it a little bit with nip shepkowski it seems at this point so we're gonna get ozzy as much airtime as we possibly can today for everybody that wants to get a little bit to know about him so let's talk some White Sox baseball. Oh, oh, you do? Yeah, we just bought a, we just bought a fourth one finally. So breaking news there anymore? I don't have to sit too close to anybody else. <laughs> you don't got to breathe over anybody. That's awesome. Yeah. 
All right, so what is your take on Tim Anderson getting ejected today? You know, I I like to see the, the fire and the passion. It's kind of a cliche take, but he kind of made it, <clears throat> made it a point this year to play with a little more a little more passion, a little more fire, a little more swag. And he's he's definitely done that. And to get that fired up about an extra inning game in late June when the game doesn't mean shit, the season doesn't mean shit. I don't I don't hate to see it. We have talked ad nauseum about Tim Anderson's fire on this podcast. I did say it was a bonehead move a little bit earlier. The only reason I think that that was a bonehead move, at least in my opinion, is the fact that the bench was already short at that point in time. I think Omar Narvaez was the only guy that they had left. You really don't want to see Tim Anderson get thrown out at that point in time. But yeah, definitely, I do like the fire that he brings. It's... We compared him to an A.J. Pruszynski, somebody that everybody hates playing against. And, yeah, you're right, Ozzy. We, we do like seeing that. That's something that we want more of. It's a good point that uh, kind of a dumb, kind of dumb to getting thrown out there, but you don't have to micromanage stuff like that yet. You know what I mean? Like I said, the game doesn't really mean much. So uh, you can kind of just go let him do his thing out there. And then you can sit him down later and be like, hey, you know what? Probably wasn't the best idea. But for now, just let him go do his thing. Exactly. I like that you say that. Just let him go do his thing. Um, My kind of take on it was that, I mean, I do like that he got fired up. Obviously, I don't like that he got ejected. Like Tony said, the bench was thin. But I do think he was out. I mean, I watched the replay like five times. He never really touched the base. He was just touching, um, I don't even remember who it was. I think it was Eduardo Escobar's shoe. So... I don't yeah, know. He That's had just that, my he take had on that, that. He had that base blocked pretty well. And yeah. I don't think that, you know, he was too much upset about the call as the fact that, you know, it's in extra innings, it's a June game, it's hot outside. You know, he's a competitor. He wants to win. So, you know, I think I think that got the best of him there. And, you know, we've seen this from Tim Anderson before. Like I said, he brings that fire, he brings that passion, and you know he doesn't want to be out. He wants to be safe there, like anybody else would, but he's just going to express it a little bit differently. Uh, Ricky Renteria actually got himself tossed too right after that, if, if I remember correctly. Did he really? I didn't even... I mean, see, this is why I'm so pissed. I was going to watch the condensed game when I got off work, but we literally just rolled straight into the podcast, so I'm just kind of like not really knowledgeable. I watched the highlights. I did see that... Tim Anderson was not happy, chucked his helmet, and that's what got him ejected. And I don't have my PhD in reading lips, but he definitely dropped a that's fucking bullshit to the ump. So, Well, that'll get you tossed. It sure will. <laughs> now, a few other things I wanted to dissect from this game, and, and John, I know you were you were busy working. Uh, Ozzy, have, you saw the game today, correct? Yeah, I saw bits and pieces of it. So there were a few other situations, and I want to start. Let's go back into the first inning. And somebody that we've ripped apart a little bit on this podcast most recently is Lucas Giolito. And that first inning where he walked the bases loaded and was able to get out of the jam, that's got to be an encouraging thing there for Lucas. And he ended up taking a no-hitter, I believe, into the sixth inning. Uh that's a little bit of a turnaround from the Lucas Giolito we've seen in the past few starts. That is very encouraging because, like you said, you said you guys have uh, ripped him a little bit. Oh, yeah. I mean, Dave ripped him hard as hell on our show. And right, rightfully so. I mean, the guy has been trash this year. And he very easily could have walked the bases loaded, given up a fucking gap shot, walked the next two guys, call it a day. 
but uh, but he didn't. And you know what? That's surprising that he showed some balls and be like, all right, let's compete. And then he went out there for what six plus again and mm-hmm. build off that. And like I said, my expectations for him are still very fucking low because he has been trash. He's going to have to string together like three or four starts like that before we trust him even a little bit. But yeah, it's good, it's good to see that at least. Now, what we've said about Lucas Giolito, and I, you guys have discussed this on Redline, I think this is one of Dave's thing, is that he he's a mental case. And you kind of hinted at it a little bit, that it's encouraged, encouraging that he, he showed some balls and, and went back out there and competed. Uh, Ozzy, do you think this is the kind of start that can turn around the year for him? Mm, I'm not big on on stuff like that, like one moment can turn around the season just because I think so much goes into game-by-game game preparation and mechanical stuff. I'm more into to results and physical um, results, if that makes any sense. You know what I mean? Like, it's easy to say that, oh, just because he showed some balls in June, that means he's going to p- pitch well the rest of the way till September. Not a big believer in that, but uh, as far as day-by-day day confidence, then yeah, it's something to build off of, if that makes any sense. Definitely makes sense. I was waiting for Tony to cut in. Sorry, that was kind of awkward. No, I was taking, um, a, taking a sip of beer here, man. Oh, it happens. I was as well. So um, before we started recording... I had mentioned that I was cracking a Modelo, which I'm known for drinking Modelos, and you were kind of in shock that that was my beer of choice. So <laughs> what happens to be your beer of choice, Ozzy? I was just surprised because it's, it's a little heavy for me. You know what I mean? If we're, if we're outside, if we're at a bar, uh, just give me give me something light. Give me a light beer. You know what I mean? Okay. Something cheap. I can pound maybe 10 or 12 of and okay. call it a night. You know what I mean? Maybe take a half like, a Zan and fall asleep on your like, laundry. Like, yeah, that's a Herb Lawrence I have four or five Modellos. I'm just full. I'm just not having anything else for the rest of the night. So we like to drink while we're doing these podcasts, obviously. is uh, A little bit of inside information here from you. Is uh, Do the drinks slow during the recording at Red, at, at Redline Radio headquarters? Not as often as I would like. Uh, sometimes <laughs> Carl just runs into his office fridge and pulls out two beers, and I'm like, all right, we're drinking tonight. Um if it was up to me, that would happen every every episode because I think I do better when I'm a little more loose. Um, don't think Dave does. I don't like to get him too loose. It's <laughs> fine when he's sharp and, and at, at his wits. Uh, but, yeah, they flow. Not as often as I'd like, but they flow. Absolutely right. awesome. You got any questions you want to ask him, Tony? Yeah, I want to dissect the game a little bit more. Uh, there was another situation in this game today in – Actually, I believe it was the ninth inning where the Twins had walked the bases loaded. Fernando Rodney walked the bases loaded. And we had a situation with Yon Mankata again. Uh, coming up to the plate in a big spot. Chance to win the game. Chance to walk it off. And he struck out looking again. And this is something that we seem to ask all of our guests. And we've already established that we're Mankata believers do here. Don't do it. I'm going to do it. Ozzy, I want your take on Yom. <laughs> Just in general? He Just in it. general. Just give me give me your thoughts on him and, and, and his current body of work so far. I'm definitely not worried about him being a good Major League Baseball player. I think people say that it's a lock, that he's going to be a superstar. It's definitely not a lock in that sense. Um, 
I think it is a lock that he will be good. I mean, he's shown enough flashes to that. He's got plenty of tools. He can play at this level, but there's going to be more peaks and valleys than we originally thought. Like, I think we all would have lost for him to come up and just start dominating right away. But, you know, he's shown that that's not going to happen. And it might take a while for him to turn into the player that uh, we all want him to be. Again, it's not a lock that he'll be a superstar. It's still potential. Potentially, he still can. But uh, I think his floor is very high, and his ceiling might be coming down a little bit. But I think he'll be fine. You know what I mean? He'll be fine. Are you worried about the strikeouts, though? That's that's my main thing. If he can turn around, if he can turn around and not have so many looking strikeouts. Is that, in your opinion, more or less him thinking that his eye is better than it is? Again, the strikeouts play in part to uh, – it's part of the reason he's not allowed to be a superstar. Superstars don't strike out that much. They just don't. And uh, I think that is a good point. He thinks his eye is a little too uh, too good for these major league umps, and he's going to have to shake that. He's going to have to trust trust his hitting ability a little more. It's like, bro, you, uh, you're a physical freak. If you make contact, you're going to hit the ball fuck hard. Oh, yeah, his exit not velocity is just phenomenal. Yeah, every, at the beginning of the year, I think he was uh, at the top of the league. He was. And every time he does make contact, the ball just jumps off his bat. When you're when you're actually there watching him play and he makes contact, there's a different sound when the ball comes off of Mankata's bat versus other people. Daniel Polk is another guy that the ball just rings off of his bat. And it sounds sweet when he hits it. But you don't want to see, I guess, like you said, he's not a lock to be a superstar at this point in time. But what you don't want to see is Makata become a, a three true outcome player. And that that leads me into the next question. And, John, we were talking about this a little bit off air. And one of the situations that we have coming here is is the draft pick of Nick Magical. And we've already touched on a little bit of Tim Anderson, and we love the way the, that Tim Anderson plays with fire. Makata has a chance to be a superstar. And we've got Magical now in the pipeline. So... A, somebody's going to have to move or be moved. And, you know, what do we do with that situation in the future? Because I'm not sure exactly on the timelines of Nick Madrigal and when his expected arrival in the MLB is. But when he gets here, we obviously expect big things out of him. Yeah, and I know as Sox fans, we have to have this conversation just because we're in a rebuild and we get excited about draft picks and stuff like that. But I almost don't. You know what I mean? Like, why would we worry? Baseball is unique in that. You know, if it's football, we uh, we have a defense and we start a linebacker. All right, he's playing next year. He's a, he's a starter. And then we think about moving guys. But baseball, I mean, he's going to go play in a population of like 500 people for the next couple of years. Why would we trouble ourselves with figuring out lineups and where we move guys on the major league team? Like to me, I don't like that kind of stuff. But I know as Sox fans, uh, we kind of have to right now because that's, that's all there is to talk about. And that's what you get when you're in a rebuilding year, like you said. <laughs> exactly, exactly, yeah. So we trouble ourselves with, with these problems that aren't actually problems yet. Uh, exactly. Probably going to be a good, yeah, probably going to be a, probably going to be a good problem to have in a few years. Ourselves. And you know what? If If we look across to the north side, they are the pinnacle of, of those problems over the past few years with guys that have come up and I know they've drained their farm system now, but you look at what they have 
And when it was about two years ago, Javi Baez, for example, comes in and doesn't have a spot to play, but yet is still contributing to the major league team. You know, it's it's not a problem at that point in time. It's an asset. Right. Worry about where we put these guys once they prove that they're worth making making room for. You know what I mean? There's no the guys just finished a college baseball game. Why do we have to worry about him playing? second or short at 35th and Shields right now. I, I don't see a point in that. Because we're White Sox fans. <laughs> and that's what happens. Exactly, exactly, yeah. So, yeah, you guys brought up a pretty good point. Um, but, yeah, Nick Magical did just win the College World Series. Um, and like I had mentioned earlier, there have only been a select few of recent White Sox draft picks that come to mind when I think of a first-round draft pick and a College World Series championship. Uh, Gordon Beckham at Georgia would be one. Um, who else did I say last time? I had it when we were off air, like a hundred percent. Carson Fulmer at Vanderbilt, yes, and then like Jared Mitchell at LSU. So I mean, there's been a couple are you, of. Are you shook? Are you shook? <laughs> I mean, I'm just like like looking at it. It's like I really hope he breaks that pattern. <laughs> to yeah, be honest, I don't know. Out. But yes, I am shook, Ozzy. Good catch. <laughs> You're shook by uh, Kenny Williams and the old regime, which is fair. We're we're battered wives in a sense. Exactly. That's a really but good. You, that's a really good that, analogy. Uh, yeah, you just. We're turning it. the page. We're turning the page. So I know you got to run soon here, Ozzy. One thing that I wanted to get out of you, and you've almost gone there a few times on Redline. You're a big Cubs hater. I I get that sense. <laughs> I get that sense about you. You're a big time Cubs hater. I hide it. On Twitter and uh, and on air. So you don't gotta hide it on here. You don't gotta hide it on here. <laughs> it's only Sox fans that listen to this podcast. Actually, I think we may or may or may not have a few few Cubs fans that listen to us. Uh, God bless them. But uh, actually, no, screw them. Uh, Ozzy, <laughs> I want I want you to open up here and and how do you feel listening to a half hour of Cubs talk every week. I know we asked this question to Dave, and I think he tiptoed a little bit around it. Uh, yeah, he just, brushed it off. Yeah, he's, he brushed it off. Problem. He brushed it off, but we want we want the honest answer from you. How hard is it to listen to, to Cubs talk and being a part of that weekly, and then how much you dislike that organization? So half the time, I don't mind it, but half the time, they get very delusional in some of their points and some of uh, some of their talks. You know, when they start talking about Theo's never made a bad move, and uh, these guys are all going to develop into superstars. It's like you, Darvish. Oh, hold on. Theo signed Jason Hayward, traded away Glaber Torres. Well, I take that back. That was a good move. Um, traded away Candelario for nothing. We have to revisit that Wade Davis for Jorge Soler trade in a little bit. Um, it's not a lot that Schwarber's going to be a stud. Not a lot that Ian Happ is going to be a stud. So that part is a little tough for me. How they get a little delusional in the sense that we're going to win 150 games every year. We're going to draft Hall of Famers and all that. Well, maybe we can hear a little bit more of that, that fight back when, when you get that fourth microphone to use in future <laughs> Red Light episodes. I'm going to have to. <laughs> awesome, Ozzy. Well, we appreciate you coming on with us today. Thank you very much. Ozzy, do you have anything you want to close it out with? No, it was fun. Thanks for having me. 
Thanks for having yeah, me. Yeah, of course. Well, hopefully we'll see you up at uh, Barcelona at the park, man. You have a good night. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, you too. That was Ozzy Stern of Redline Radio, and as we just found out for a couple months now, Barstool Sports. Um, that was a great little talk. We did kind of just cram all our content for one episode and do a quick little segment with Ozzy because we didn't really get too much time to record with him. But you can blame my job for that for holding me there like an hour later than they were supposed to. So, Well, I mean, when we were trying to set this up with, with Ozzy, we knew we were going to have a time crunch today, and John, I did give you the advance notice that you should stop working, go home, and record this podcast. You made your best effort, and we appreciate that from you, John. I was like, dude, how the hell am I supposed to leave work right now? Like, I can't just like be like, yeah, I got to go to record my podcast. Like, I didn't really know <laughs> how to get out of there, so I got out of there as quick as I could. Um, I had to stop to get gas and grab some Modellos on the way home, so, oh, fuck that up. Cheers, everybody. Well, the podcast wouldn't be the same without your Modellos, John. Uh, I think in the break you did take your first bathroom break on the night. I sure did. Good All catch. Right, I at... muted the microphone so that you didn't hear the flush this time, buddy. I know That's... I'm learning. We I are... listen to the last. So it's funny, everybody. So when I'm on my bathroom breaks, I don't hear what they're talking about during my bathroom breaks until I listened to the final edit. So uh, I didn't know what you and Johnny were talking about until I came back and I heard one of you say, I think he flushes the toilet for us to hear it on purpose. No, I just forget to mute my mic because I'm that drunk at that point every time I take my bathroom break. So I muted it this time for you, Chief. Well, there you go. You're learning. You're gaining experience in, you know, in your professional career as a podcaster. And, like I said, know. when we were when we brought Herb on before we even started recording, and you were like, "You got to sound professional," and I said, "We're semi-pro. We're the Jackie Moon." Well, we are semi-pro. I think we're probably like a double A podcast at this point in time. Yeah, uh, we're getting up there, guys. We're getting up there. Cheers uh, to you guys. Yep. Thanks out there to all the listeners who put up with this podcast for an hour sometimes an hour and a half every week we appreciate you very very much uh and we hope you continue to tune in and, and listen to john take bathroom breaks <laughs> so aside from the bathroom breaks um for those of our listeners that want to get a little bit more engaged with what we do me and tony or tony and i on july 14th we're both going to be going to barstool at the park and we're going to be doing the tailgate whole nine yards book it it's already going to happen so Look for us out there. Um, a little bit of breaking news. Me and Tony are going to have our own Shy Sox Weekly t-shirt so that we stand out a little bit more so that you guys can kind of, maybe if you see us come up to us, like Johnny says, you know, just drop your Twitter handle, whatever it may be. Let us know how you heard of the podcast, you know, what your favorite episode was, anything. We would love to talk to you guys. We would love to engage with you guys. So Tony and I will be up there July 14th. It is two Saturdays from now. So look out for that. Um... And that was this week in Shy Sox Jonda. Look out for that. Look out for that, yeah. So look out for that because that's actually like we me Tony and I are super excited about that. Like we took a little a couple days to edit the shirts. Um we wanted something that would stand out. So it's pretty plain, pretty simple, but still gonna stand out, so we're excited for that. So John, you were a big college world series guy. Let's tail it back over to some baseball talk. I myself didn't get to watch any of the college world series. We talked about it a little bit with Ozzy. 
the Nick Magical stuff. So there is reasons for White Sox fans to watch the College World Series. You were one of those. Why don't you give our listeners a little bit of a recap on what happened in the College World Series, how Magical did, how he looked, because uh, you saw it all firsthand. I myself, I'll be honest, I didn't watch a minute of it. <laughs> I'm not the biggest college baseball guy. So I want to say that off top. I'm not going to go out here and sound like I watched Oregon State and Arkansas play all year because I didn't. Um, I do have a bit of background on Arkansas. Uh, One of my buddy's brothers played at Arkansas last year, and he was more so like used as a reliever, and he was trying to be a Friday guy. So he transferred to a junior college in the area now he's going to florida gulf coast so a quick shout out to him but so i knew a little bit about arkansas baseball i've kind of been following them off the radar for the last like two years just because my buddy's brother was going to play there and it would have been cool to see him play in the college world series so that's just a little side note um i would say the biggest story of the college world series was not nick madrigal and it was probably adley rutschman who's the catcher for oregon state who i am a huge fan of after this week i promise you that i watched a little i watched every oregon state game that i possibly could like when i went to the Sox game uh last week or whatever two weeks ago jesus i watched the end of the oregon state north carolina game at the ballpark pub with all the 108 guys and all that so like Every possible game that I have been able to watch, I've tried my hardest to watch. Quick take on Nick Madrigal. I do like his style of play. He was more like so he's more lauded for his offensive capabilities, which he he absolutely ripped baseballs. Like, but he just wasn't getting on base. He was hitting them right to the defenders. So he didn't have like the best hitting college world series. I wanna say in the actual world series itself, the series best of three, he only got like two hits. But that doesn't at all like worry me about him as a player because he made a ridiculous play at second base, and I even dropped it on Twitter. You know what? That... I do take that back. I did my one little bit of College World Series uh, watching that I did was from your tweet, actually. Uh, so thank you for that. Uh, that play was absolutely incredible. Yeah, so I actually watched that play live and went just fucking ballistic. So... Madrigal had a good like college world series in terms of the whole tournament. He just didn't have like a good three games against Arkansas. So maybe that's a little bit of a pressure situation. Maybe he doesn't really produce under pressure. So maybe that's something to kind of look out for. Yeah, it's not what you want to hear. I mean, dude, I mean, I'm kind of giving you what I saw. So it's not what you want to hear, but it's what you're going to hear because it's what I saw. So, I mean, the thing is, the commentators, like Carl Ravitch, and I don't even remember who else was fucking doing it. I just remember I heard Ravitch. Dude, they literally could not get off Madrigal's nuts. Every three minutes, dude, they would bring this kid up. So that, I was like, that was convincing itself. Before I even, like, before I'm even watching the kid play, I'm literally hearing his name every other minute. So he's clearly a a leader. That's what they were basically saying, is he's a clear-cut leader of the team who just was the best college baseball team. So I don't know. I'm still sold on the pick. I'm still excited. Um, They're probably going to sign him in the next couple of days. Now that I was going to say it just ended. So we should be on the lookout for for, uh, for that signing. Contract, yeah, and the White Sox did just sign second round pick Steel Walker, and they um, signed Connor Pilkington their third round pick, and they signed Pilkington under slot. So that shows me that they got a little bit of extra money to throw 
at Madrigal or maybe some other guys they haven't signed yet. I haven't really been following all that. The the MLB draft guys is so hard to follow. This was my first year like trying to full on full time follow it, and I. I don't understand how there's so many rounds and it just drags on and on and on. And I mean, it's, it's great. We it's talked great about this a little great. bit with, yeah, we talked about this a little bit with, uh, with Clinton Cole. Yeah, and we did, but we, I didn't go into just how tedious and how just fucking long the MLB it's, draft is. It's so long. And you know what I was listening to? I forget who it was. It might've been on 670 the score on my way to work the other day. Oh, I and thought you were a ML- 670 guy, Tony. Sometimes you just need to talk about sports on your way in, and there was no more podcasts to listen to, and so I had to tune into something. Uh, and they were talking a little bit about how the MLB wants to turn the draft into an event. And for people like us, like I don't know about you, John, but I watched at least the first day of coverage, a little bit on the second day of coverage of the MLB draft. And... All the other major sports, like the NFL, the NBA, the draft is an event. And I'd say hockey a little bit more follows the line of of baseball where some of the guys that are being drafted outside of maybe the first, you know, top three are probably not going to be impact guys the next year. So it's very hard. Like you said, it's tedious into the fact that you're drafting these players and they're not going to be on the team for a while they may never end up on your team whereas in the nfl or the nba you're drafting these guys and they're there they're there almost right away so i i don't know about you i i like the mlb draft just in the sense of and we talked about this a little bit with ozzy we're in a rebuild right now in you know, four or five years, yeah, I'll probably still be tuning into it, even when the socks are good. But I probably won't have the same type of of interest in a 27th overall pick as I do as a number, you know, two through seven pick. And you make no, yeah, you make a great point there. That I mean, even in the last like 10 years, I can say that I have like actually paid attention to four of the White Sox first round draft picks. And like I know who they all are, but I'm saying like the day of the draft, like knew the draft was coming. The draft always falls on my birthday, it seems. Or like the week of my birthday, so I know it's coming. It's always like the first week of June. So I always pay attention to the draft, but I don't really like get as hyped as I have as of late. Well and that's 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 the rebuild. I mean do you do you honestly think that Houston Astros fans were tuned into the draft? Do you think that Boston Red Sox fans have been tuned into the draft as much as White Sox fans? Even players? even like even Cubs fans. I asked one of my buddies who's a Cubs fan about their first round draft pick, and he didn't even know his name. He just said like, "Oh, the kid from Stanford or whatever." Like, <laughs> so that's right. just basically that's that in a nutshell. Because mm-hmm. good teams who pick late in that first round, those guys are as much almost of a crapshoot as somebody who's drafted in the third, fourth, fifth round. And it's just so tedious. Like you said, there's so many rounds. The NBA just, draft, the NFL draft, the you know, NHL dude, like, draft. It's crazy to rounds. me because like college football is such a predominant sport in America. College basketball. Like so many more people, especially like up north, tune in to I'm about to burp <clears throat> sorry. 
And I'm about to make a really good point, too. Tune into college basketball and college football way more before they tune into college baseball, and it's all because of what is being brought to them. College baseball isn't on ESPN every Tuesday and Thursday night in the winter. College baseball isn't uh, taking up all of Saturday on every ESPN plus family, like, sister networks. Like, college baseball isn't that big of a sport. So, like, I go into the NFL draft. People are getting drafted in the fifth round, and I know who they are. People are getting drafted in the twenty with the 20th pick in the MLB draft, and I'm like, who the fuck is this kid? It's crazy, and it's, it's really weird how they're – such similar in an aspect of like the way the sport is mapped out like they're very similar but yet so different well yeah and you you do make an awesome point there but let's let's also look at the way that other leagues structure their minor league systems baseball is so vast there's you know you've got the Arizona or the Arizona extended spring training, and then that breaks into the rookie league. You've got single A, high A, double A, triple A. You've got all these different teams in in the baseball system, right? And a lot of these guys are quite honestly never going to make that that twenty five man roster. So teams are literally drafting filler people who they know are never going to make the major leagues they're just there to help train the studs the uh, Luis Roberts the Eloy Jimenez they're just there as guys who are phenomenal athletes I mean let's let's get real for a second here they're, exactly they're, they're getting talent. drafted to they're a talent. professional they're getting sport. drafted to a professional sport so there's something to be said for these guys but at the same point in time, and, and if you want to start to get into the financials of this and how much you know these guys are paid in comparison to some of these you know f- you know first top of the uh, first round draft picks, who you know teams are investing all this money in, and then you've got these guys on the back end who you know are making you know five hundred dollars a week, uh, you know, or barely scraping by in you know professional. It's you know, it's professional baseball at that point in time. They're, they're, they're grinding. Yeah, they're and, grinding. And, I mean, it's it's crazy because the NBA draft, and, like, people will talk about how the MLB, like, kind of needs to trim its season from 162 games. I don't think that's at all the case. I, th- I like the 162 games. I like that it takes up the summer. I like that when I get off work on a weekday during the summer, I, have, I know exactly what I'm doing. I'm going to watch a White Sox game, like, whether it's going to the game or watching it on my TV. Um, besides the point, I don't think they need to trim the season. I think they need to trim the amount of rounds in the draft. The NBA did it. I don't remember the exact year, but the NBA draft used to be like five or six rounds. It's only two now. The NFL draft used to be like 20 fucking rounds. It's only seven now. So like, I think it's maybe time for the MLB to kind of look at this. Like, I mean, it's nice to have those feel good stories. Like we talked about with the kid who lost both of his parents within a year and the Sox drafted him. I am just on a burp tangent right now. And that like, so it's cool to get those types of picks, but at the same time, it's like, you're, you're almost wasting our time. Right. Exactly. And I, I, I think I made that point when, when we were talking with Clinton a little bit under the radar, there is the fact that teams, in the MLB draft, start to make these filler picks. They'll draft, you know, somebody's son or uh, a, a charity case, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like I, I genuinely appreciate what the White Sox did in, in in drafting him, and that's a really cool story for that kid. 
there's nothing better in the world than you know seeing the White Sox organization reach out to somebody who has gone through a hard time. That's that's awesome. But at the same point in time, if the MLB wants to make this an event that people are interested in, that people want to watch, that people get excited for. I mean, look at all the prep that goes into the NFL draft. People are preparing for that for, you know, months ahead of time. There's a huge to-do about it. And the MLB wants to capture that excitement. We can't be wasting picks on, you know, again, like somebody's son, charity cases, all this stuff in in the later rounds. I don't know if it's a talent gap or if it's just the fact that somebody drafted in the 15th round really is no different than somebody drafted in the 20th, 27th, 30th, whatever, however many rounds it goes, because you don't really know what a 16, 17-year-old kid is going to pan out to be, right? So when they're scouting these kids in high school, you really don't know what they're going to pan out to be. There's really not you know, there's there's no substance there behind their body of work of, of you know, a true scouting report on what these guys are going to end up being. So it becomes just take whoever and then teams waste picks. It's not exactly, you know, appointment television. I guess that's the point that I'm trying to get to. It's not appointment television for people. Exactly. Like, I don't – and that's, like, basically, like, what this 10-minute – absolute rant is basically looping back to is that we don't i don't get excited for the mlb draft like i feel like i should every year i feel like it should be an annual thing where i know who the top prospect is every year i know and like i i I feel like it's on college baseball to make that more of a thing and the mlb has more of an amateur status they can draft kids straight out of high school like you can't do that in the nba in the mlb or in the nfl so that makes it a little bit harder to kind of follow the progression of certain kids. But what was it, the top? I think they drafted all college players until like the sixth pick in the draft. I would have loved to know a lot more about those guys until two weeks leading up to the draft, you know? Right. But, you know, th- I mean, that's that's going to be the problem with the MLB draft going forward. I don't, I don't really see a way of solving that problem and making it appointment television. And again, it's going to be people who are, you know, fans of rebuilding teams that want to see those picks. And that's why, you know, I guess for us, it was a big thing. Maybe not for every Sox fan, but for, for some of us who are, are close to the rebuild and, and following it, it becomes a big thing for us because we want to know who's next in the pipeline. Yeah, and I feel that. And, like, I'm just more of a big-time, like, baseball is more of a sport where it's, like, the international signing is, like, where, like, Eloy Jimenez, not an MLB draft product. Yohan Mankata, not an MLB draft product. Jose Abreu, Jose Abreu not yeah. an MLB draft product. Like, yeah, I can go on and on. David Ortiz, Robinson Cano, like, all these people that came over from overseas that weren't even, they were just free agent signings. Like, Vlad Guerrero's kid. And there's like, something, all, to, yeah, there's something to be said here, though, about, how youth sports in America, and I, we're going way off topic here from White Sox it's baseball. It's crazy. I mean, it's a good conversation to have. This is, like, this is an awesome conversation. There's a, there's a big thing to be said here for youth sports in America and how we're developing baseball talent. It's just not there. When other countries, and, and you just rattled off all these White Sox players who are big in the White Sox system, who aren't even products of American, you know, American baseball. 
they didn't come through the same stuff that we that that an American baseball player would, and those are the guys that we get excited about. You mentioned they didn't like, learn Landry, choke Landry. up with two yeah, strikes. They, they didn't learn never be the first or last out at third base. No, they didn't yeah, right? learn. Like, like... It's a totally different. It's a totally different scenario. And I was actually watching um, some prospect videos. I don't know if you followed this uh, Miguel Tejada's son. Yeah, the and Sox are looking into him. The Sox are looking into him. Have you watched that video? His, was so under video. like underwhelming. It was underwhelming. Know. It was underwhelming until I found out one thing. Did you see Let's the size see of that kid? No, I didn't. Right. I just saw Go that he was and... hitting like 58 mile per hour exit velocity ground balls and that it was on my Twitter timeline and I didn't know why. Right. I watched that video a few times because I saw, you know, there's this hype about him like, oh, he's an international, you know, this is who we're looking at next and all this other stuff. And of course, he comes from a, a baseball family. And I actually saw some of the tweets behind it like, wow, that was the most underwhelming prospect video. And then I actually started. I actually <laughs> yeah. started to watch it and actually dissect his swing, and his swing was very fluid. He looked absolutely great at the plate. His size also comes into play here. He's a big kid. Uh, I don't have that pulled up right now, but he's a he's a big kid. And then I realized that the kid is only 15 years old. The kid is Jesus. fucking 15 years old. And this goes back to the whole, you know, the MLB drafts a crapshoot because we're scouting 15 and 16-year-olds. But the way that he was swinging the bat at 15 years old was just unreal. Tony, I'm trying to dial up Nick Hostetler right now to let him know that uh, you're interested in becoming a White Sox international scout. He might not answer, though. The swing looked good. And the fact that he's 15 years old was actually impressive to me. Yes, it was an underwhelming video. He hit a lot of ground balls. What I also didn't realize was I think one of the uh, cuts in that video was the fact that he was actually the outfielder. I'm not positive on it, but that's what it looked like to me. He was. was He was was the left fielder. Yeah, he was the left fielder. At first when I watched it, I'm like, why are we watching this, you know, player kid ground out yeah, yeah. Kid ground out or whatever <laughs> he was actually in left field so there's a little bit more to that video than just wow this was underwhelming because the other thing i want to mention to people who watch these videos that that are put out of prospects is you're used to seeing eloy jimenez destroy light bulbs out in left field you're you're used to seeing 450 500 foot home runs from eloy you're used to seeing Michael Kopech throw 100-mile-an-hour fastballs. You're used to seeing these really big, hyped-up prospects who are doing things that are a little bit above that. So when you look at something like you know, Miguel Tejada Jr. hit some ground balls, you go, what the fuck? It's, it's not the same. But look at the swing, look at the stature, look at the kid, and it, just imagine what he can develop into is, is the point that I'm trying to get at. No, you make you make an excellent point, and that kind of wants me to like you brought him up. That makes me want to segue into Eloy Jimenez, who, as we know, did recently get called up to the AAA Charlotte Knights. He's played in I want to say twelve games. He has thirty six plate appearances, and he has only struck out five times. He's only hitting two fifty, which is like we said, it's probably going to be our keyword of the week: underwhelming. 
which I, I don't even know if that is a word. Overwhelming, underwhelming? Yeah, it's definitely a word. So he's been somewhat underwhelming in terms of like batting average and whatnot, but he's still getting on base at an over 300 clip. Um, and like I said, I expect to see him in the MLB before Michael Kopech. Why do you say that? And I want to get into this with you. you. You talked about this a little bit last week. Why do you think that Eloy will be up before Kopech? I only really think that Eloy is going to be up before Kopech because being an offensive and defensive player is way different than being a pitcher. We see it with Giolito. We see the struggles. Like, we don't want to call Kopech up to come be that fifth guy. Like, maybe, like, let's say we trade James Shields away. What are we going to do with Miguel Gonzalez, who's currently on a, a rehab stint, who's going to be due to be back soon? What happens with Dylan Long Kobe? reliever. Like, what happens? Long reliever. And you say all this, but are the White Sox actually going to do this? Probably not. Probably and they probably not. won't. And that's, yeah, and exactly. And so Kopech currently has, like, a 450-plus ERA in AAA which is not pretty. I don't want to throw him into the fire. I don't want to throw him into the ring. And we're, just... we're talking a lot of minor league, a lot of college baseball today, folks. Uh, one thing I want to bring up with you on, on the Michael Kopech situation, the guy, if he really chose to, in my opinion, and this is my take on it, if he chose to pitch the way that he's going to pitch when he makes it to the major leagues, I think he can be absolutely lights out in charlotte i think that he's being instructed to work on things and to develop you know those his third pitch i think that he's not actually giving his all as much as he's working on the things that he wants to develop in triple a that's just my take on it i and i get that and i that's just a different take that's not like I'm not saying that it's a bad take at all whatsoever because it's a good take. I'm just saying that I think that to be successful, it, like we saw him tear up double A because he has that lights out fastball. Like people say, you're not going to be able to rip a fastball 90% of the time. Some people are going to catch on. They're going to know the fastball is coming. They're going to time it. And they're going to fucking take a yard all the time. So he needs that secondary pitch, whether or not. He's being instructed to work on whatever or whatever. He doesn't have that secondary, that third pitch that's lights out like his fastball is. And you can have as lights out a fastball as you want. You're going to run into speed bumps. So they don't want him to do that at the major league level and him just mentally collapse because we've seen it happen with prospects. And that's why we keep them down. We want that. We want that kid to be so hungry that he's mad. We kept him down so long that he he's trying to prove the White Sox front office a point when he comes up. That's where I'm at with that. And I don't really care that he's still down because what's he going to do? Help us win an extra 10 games and we're going to lose our draft slot. I would rather him just work on whatever he needs to do in AAA as fucking cookie cutter as it sounds. I don't really care that he's down there right now. Because, I mean, James Shields is lighting it up, so I would love to see as many James Shields starts as possible until we finally ship him away. And that's just me. Um, Ronaldo Lopez and Lucas Giolito aren't getting bumped out of that rotation. Dylan Covey proved too much in that little, like, stint. I know he's, I think he's hurt right now, right? He's yeah, not going to the DL. He, he's not going to the DL, though. He he's just going like, to miss I think he missed a start. Yeah. Yeah, so he just missed a start. I know I haven't seen him in a little bit, but I'm sure he's not on the DL, so we're going to see him again. You know, we got Miguel Gonzalez, who's having a dog shit year, 
who was playing through injury, who finally went on the DL, who's in a little rehab stint, who's going to come back. And like I said, I don't think the Sox are going to be DFAing people like that. And then they go and DFA Trace Thompson. So uh, (sighs) Trace Thompson, and and he's come up a little bit. You you know, segment me into something else. No, we're not even talking about Trace right now. All I'm saying is that the the pitching rotation is clogged as of this year. As of this year, it's clogged until we hit the September call-ups, until we hit those, you know, we're going to have all these shitty rainouts are going to keep happening. We're going to have some doubleheaders at the end of the year where we're, like, I honestly don't want them to use Kopech as a reliever, but I feel like that would be his best transition into MLB play. Whoa. You're talking the Chris Sale uh, way into the league here, huh? Not even the Chris Sale way because Chris Sale was like actually brought up as a reliever. I'm saying like in September, if we still don't have a spot for him, just use him as a reliever. But that's not going to happen. I'm just saying like we have to get him the reps by the end of the year. I just think Eloy's going to get up there quicker. His his trajectory has been skyrocketing up as Copex is just kind of leveling straight. So I want to bring up two things here. Uh, number one, I saw a tweet from Beefloaf from the 108 where he said he he wonders if the White Sox will not bring Eloy up or Kopech until next year. I don't exactly have the tweet in front of me, but that was the, the theme of it was, you know, maybe they don't come up until next year. I love I wanna Loaf, bring, but he's wrong. I want to I bring up that I actually support that tweet, and I'll bring up my fantasy baseball team again. That would be great Fuck for Fuck your fantasy baseball team. But, if there's right. 40 spots on that roster, like, they're going to be – two of them are going to be why Michael Kopech and Eloy Why Hamas. not – okay, so unpopular opinion here. Why not hold them until next May? At this point, why not hold them until next May? You've already passed – Give him a taste. Super twos. What Boston do with Mankata? You gave him a taste. You give him a taste. You give him a taste, dude. You got to give him a little something. Kopech has worked too hard this year. I don't care about the 4-5 ERA. Like, it's not showing that. But he's still worked his ass off. He's going to get to the MLB at some point. His 4-5 ERA is the same wherever he's at right now because he's working on something and, and again i think that's my opinion but that i think that's absolutely the so, now I mean, we're, you we're gonna up see a, these guys just not until later than we wanted to transition a little bit here you brought up the fact that the rotation is is stacked at this point in time and now i want to bring up another name that that we talk about a lot here in dane dunning and have you heard about the dane dunning injury I have actually heard a little bit about the Dane Dunning injury. Uh, so, it's something with his elbow, correct? It's a UCL injury, if I'm yep. not mistaken. So it sounds like Dane Dunning's season is over. and, and Which is unfortunate because he just This is a very unfortunate thing. Up. He had been called up to double-A, and it, he, it sounds like he's going to avoid surgery here. But his season is likely over. He was evaluated on Wednesday – and it sounds like they're giving him the six to eight week rest and rehab. Now, what I don't want to see is that six to eight week rehab turn into a full year off for Tommy John. This brings up a little bit of a point of something that I was talking to one of my friends about earlier today is when we start to talk about 
more of this lineup construction next year, the year after. Um, I know Ozzy, <laughs> Ozzy a little bit earlier said, why are we worrying about this? But I think Dane Dunning's one of these guys that needs to be considered in, in this situation just with his with his stature in the organization and the timeline on Dane. We could slot him in as a fourth, fifth guy probably next year, I would think, at least in a June call-up. Uh, if his season's over now, I think that timeline gets set back another year. And this, to me, is Jake Berger all over again, dude. And, I mean, I'm glad you brought that up because that's exactly why we keep it as stacked as we keep it. That's why we have Dylan Cease. That's why we have Alec Hansen. You know, that's why we have all these other kids that are going to progress to potentially be major league starters. That's why you have, like, they always say on Redline, we're going to stray back to Redline here. That's why we have this organizational depth because you need to be able to fill that slot. We're already worrying about these dudes, and they're in the minor leagues. We're not even watching the games, and we're worried about their injuries. So what happens when they get to the White Sox, we're going to need to be able to fill that slot with other people. Right. And the one thing that I want to bring that back to is we're coming up into the 2019 offseason. Let's let's fast forward a little bit, and let's go to the 2019 offseason. Tony, you're going to hate me. Why? I can't hold it anymore, dude. And we're now, we're now pausing for Shy Sox John to bathroom break. BRB, we're going to get a sponsor for this. And we're back from a bathroom break. Yeah, so, so I'm going to give you a little bit of shit there because what did you do when I was taking a bathroom break, Tony? I figured it would be the appropriate time to also use the bathroom. Okay. But, you know. So you had to I, pee the whole time. Yeah, but I know how to hold it. I, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. All right. So we're coming up on the 2019 offseason, and we want to look at the rotation for next year. Obviously, you're going to slot in Lopez. You're probably going to slot in Giolito. Shields will probably be gone unless they, for some reason, pick up his option, uh, which honestly could be a possibility at this point in time. Uh, but where do you go from there? You're not going to bring Gonzalez back. So you've pretty much got two guys penciled in. I hope to dear God Carson Fulmer is not in the rotation next year, but that would be a very White Sox thing to do. So you've got three guys, maybe, with Dylan Covey, if he sticks around a little bit and continues on his current pace. Say they don't bring Kopech up, and he doesn't start the year there. You still need to fill two or three spots. If if you put Kopech in there, you've got at least one more spot to fill. Do you sign a free agent who's going to stick with this team through the competing period in this offseason? Or do you give that chance to somebody else? I'm going to go out and kind of put that notion down only because of how thin the starting pitching is this offseason in free agency. The best option would be like Dallas Keuchel, and I guarantee you Houston locks him back up. So um, I don't know. I'd say we're still a year away from big, big spending. Um, You might see like a spot filler next year. Like you might see some winter meeting like guy just to avoid them having to call up 
like rush the progression of an Alec Hansen or a Dane Dunning or a Dylan Cease, like to kind of stray away from that, you're going to see Kopech. That's a lock. You're going to see Kopech next year. Like you already want to see Kopech this year. It's a, it should be already apparent that you're going to see Kopech next year. Like that's already a known fact to me. It should be a known fact to our listeners. Kopech's time of him is coming he, up. Is he your opening day starter next year? God, no. He's Kopech gonna be is like not the, your opening day starter next year. He's going to be like the fourth guy. And honestly, he's going to struggle at first. And you guys are going to hate me for saying this, but he's going to have his struggles at first. He's not going to be the prettiest, and some people are going to be calling for him to fucking go back down because that's just how... You know what? I echo you 100%. And you know what? Let's look at... You brought it up a little bit earlier. Eloy Jimenez's batting average. Underwhelming right now. Michael Kopech. When he comes up, he's going to have his struggles. This is the same stuff that we're going through right now with Mankata that we're going to go through with Eloy, that we're going to go through with Kopech, that we're going to go through potentially with Robert, Robert, Robert. I don't, I can't even pronounce this guy's name. I'm um, stuck on Robert, and that's how I'll pronounce it forever. Uh, but you're still going to see the same things. You're going to see at least little periods of struggling with them. And there was actually a good little Twitter thread going on uh, the other day where – uh, people were talking about what's going to happen when these guys come up and struggle. Is White Sox Twitter going to freak the hell out just the same way that they did with Mankata? And I, I'm waiting for these days to happen because, yes, that's exactly what's going to happen. They're going to struggle. Everybody's going to freak out. And then they'll eventually reach their peak or maybe they won't. And that's what the rebuild is, and that's why we're going to have so much money to spend to fill those gaps. And there's also going to be trades that are made that are going to bolster this offense, bolster the pitching rotation. A lot of these prospects that we see right now that we're counting on, like everybody's got right now Dylan Cease, Dane Dunning, Michael Kopech, Reynaldo Lopez, all these guys in the rotation already. They're already they're they're already, penciled in, they're penciled they're in already. They're yeah, locked. That's not what's going to happen. Not at all. And, like, people bring up a great point. I was listening to uh, Redline the other day, and they were trying to compare Dylan Covey to Cliff Lee, <laughs> which obviously was a joke. And But, I mean, at the same time, who's to say that, like, someone like – not Dylan Covey himself, but who's to say that someone under the radar – a lower tier prospect who might not even be on the top 30 can't be like a back end of the road. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like we can get so, little funny a, story here. You're, you're a big MLB, the show guy, right? We've, fucking we've love established, it. we've established this. Frank Thomas career arc program out now. Go, go participate. Go do it. I want to unlock this diamond Frank Thomas card. That's what my life goal is for the next week. Um, so <laughs> I'm not a diamond <laughs> dynasty guy. We, we talked about this. Um, do you remember David Holmberg? I do. Oh my god. So, little funny story. I was doing a franchise. I don't think it was in the show. I, I want to think it. I think it was something else. Uh, I can't remember what game, but I ran through progressions, and David Holmberg, like, jumped to like a ninety-nine guy, and was the ace of my pitching staff in like twenty nineteen. And this, like, it totally shocked me. There's going to be that guy. Maybe it's Dylan Covey. Maybe it's, you know, somebody else that 
you know is under the radar just comes out of nowhere and becomes that that piece that we're looking for so just because we're focused on the big names that we've acquired in these trades and uh, think that our these are the locks for the rotation that are already penciled in doesn't mean that somebody else might come out of the woodwork and be you know a very big contributing factor to the next White Sox team that makes the playoffs and I would love to see that and I mean who's to say that Carlos Rodon can't I mean he's still young he who's to say he can't turn that corner and become like a top tier guy like who he shows the flash you know what there's a there's a disturbing thing here in the fact that we've talked about this pitching rotation and I just mentioned it like we've have these four guys and I didn't even think about Carlos Rodon how did I not think about Carlos Rodon he's definitely and that's, in the rotation that's what this year. rebuild's doing to us it's making us forget about like the the guys that like the OGs of the rebuild you know what i'm saying like it's the it's o- kind of straying us away the OGs of the rebuild <laughs> carlos rodon is a carlos og rodon of the rebuild the tim OG anderson is an og of the rebuild like a so lot of these do, guys do we put carson fulmer as an og of the rebuild carson fulmer is the worst possible og of the rebuild <laughs> holy crap yeah well like I said, let's hope he's not in the rotation. I don't know why that guy's not in the bullpen right now. Still getting lit up. I think he did since the time we last recorded. I, I guarantee you he listened to Shy Sox Weekly, turned it on, and then for some reason his last start. No, we, he, we, we didn't talked record. about that on our last episode. He, he had 11 strikeouts. Yeah, and then he came back. Did you see what he did in the start after that to follow that up? More yeah, trash. It was like seven walks, four runs, or some shit. Yeah, more trash from Carson Fulmer. Get that guy in the bullpen, please. White Sox, we're reaching out to you. Get him Get in the that bullpen. That guy in a fucking cubicle. Fuck you, mean a bullpen? Well, you know, I was also talking to somebody else on Twitter the other day, and they they asked me like, "What do you think that Carson Fulmer end up doing?" And my response to that was, "He's gonna wind up eating innings in somebody else's rebuild as a long reliever like Chris Volstad." Either that, or he's going to be selling fucking insurance in the next couple of years. <laughs> Carson Fulmer. Hi, I'm Carson Fulmer calling you from State Farm. <laughs> Come on, Carson. Get it together. That's what we want from you. We want you to be a reliever. We want you to come in in the late innings and set up ball games for Zach Birdie. Yeah, I'm with that. All right, everybody. Well, that's probably going to just about do it for us this week on Shy Sox Weekly. Thank you so much again for tuning in. Um, The White Sox are coming up on a 10-game road trip. It's going to be their longest one of the year so far. I want to say the Astros fall in there. They got, I think it's like Rangers, Reds, Astros. So... You are correct, and if you're not looking at a schedule, I applaud you for I'm not, knowing that I'm off not. the top of your head. Yeah, I we've knew got the Astros were in it. we've got actually a Dylan Covey start coming up uh, tomorrow. Well, uh, let me let you Texas. applaud me even more because they come home after that ten game stretch, and they have a two game series against the Cardinals, and then they have that series against the Royals. And I will be going to. The I'm game not going to applaud you because last week you mentioned the fact that you that I was going, going to that. So that's why I know. Yeah, that's why I know it too. So on the tenth, I will be at the game. Um, if you are going on the 10th, it's like a Tuesday. I just happened to buy my dad and I tickets for Father's Day to uh, to go to the game. So if you're there and you see me, say what's up. Um, other than that, 
We will be at Barstool at the Park on July 14th. Tony and myself are ready to field any questions, ready to give you your passport to get onto the Yoan Mankata boat. Whatever what about the Sebi Zavala train? What about the, the Sebi Zavala train? We may be able to punch a ticket or two. So just, you know, don't be shy. Come up and say hi. We're friendly guys. We like to bullshit. Come have uh, a beer with us. Come have a beer with us. I will probably bring a case of Modelo. I'll set the bar, and I'll probably only drink about six to eight of those myself. So that's 16 unspoken for beers that anybody could have as long as they actually know who the fuck I am and they want to have a conversation. Yep, and reach out to the Shy Sox Weekly Twitter. Uh, we love talking to you guys. And let us know if you're going to be there. And like I said, we hope to see you all there. All right, until next week, uh, go White Sox. Go White Sox.